Welcome to Lessons in Leadership. I'm Steve Adubato. You catch us every week on News 12 Plus, plus all of our other platforms with me, but you don't tune in for me. You tune in for the great Mary Gamba, our executive producer and co-host. Hey, Mary, you know, your background's a little darker than mine. I'm not going to make a big deal about aesthetics, but I like, <laughs> I like the contrast. That was like by design. We, we had played around. We had Elvin and Scarlin here. I said, I swear they lived here one weekend as we were setting up my home studio in my teeny tiny basement. And we were playing around with the different colors. And we, we liked because I'm very, very, very fair. Uh, if I want as light as you, I kind of match the background. So we had to have a little bit more contrast on my By the end. way, you just said Elvin and Scarlin. They're not just two guys who just hung out at Mary's house. Elvin <laughs> is our director. And Scarlett handles all of the camera work and lighting and just make it clear. They're just not two guys. Yeah, so well, they're, the they're guys two great guys. They're two Best great guys. guys. Yeah. Hey, Mary, before we bring in Steve Baker, uh, set up lessons in leadership because we have two new sponsors who have come on board. We're thrilled about Delta Dental of New Jersey. And also, if I'm not mistaken, Kessler Foundation, who have come on board supporting lessons in leadership. But we want to also thank our other friends. Yeah, definitely. And it's so great to have uh, sponsors that really are doing great things in the world. We have Valley Bank. We have the New Jersey Sharing Network. Uh, we have, I'm going to go to my New list. New Jersey Sharing Network, Organ and Tissue Donation. We'll put yes. the website up later. Definitely. We have the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, Seton Hall University, and the Seton Hall uh, Bacino Leadership Institute. So, and Prager Metis. I don't think I said them at the beginning. So we just have such great partners. Yep, and P.S., you can see us on News 12 Plus, and check this out, Mary. You ready? See if I do this right. Steve, is having, Steve Baker's having to sit through this. You ready? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Audible, News 12 Plus, R-O-I-N-J, NJ.com. And you can also, also follow Steve. Oh, partners. come on. I was going to, I thought you were going to segue, and that was going to be so beautiful. Can I just take a breath and also want to thank our promotional partners, the Commerce and Industry Association of New Jersey and Commerce Magazine, and the New Jersey Business and Industry Association and their magazine, New Jersey Business. I'm a professional broadcaster. You forget that, Mary. <laughs> I'll just sit back and I'll enjoy the ride. <laughs> hey, no, introduce Steve Baker. <laughs> I would love to. Hi, Steve. So sorry you had to sit through that, but hey, that's how the bills get paid. And Steve Baker is the Director of Communications at the New Jersey Education Association. Nice to have you with us, Steve. Great to be with you both, Steve and Mary. I'm, I'm a little jealous of your fancy backgrounds in your home studios. I'm uh, joining you from what used to be uh, my dining room. And for the last year and a half, it's been an office, a middle school, a high school, a little bit of everything. So uh, we're all adapting to how we do this now, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, let's do that, Steve, because we're taping <clears throat> right in the middle of the summer of 2021. We're getting ready for the new school year in September. Describe for folks what it's been like to lead and manage your household together with others who are there with very strong views. <laughs> so it's been, it's been a real challenge. Listen, I, nobody wants to talk about the good part of a pandemic. It was a terrible time, uh, but there were some real benefits that came out of this, you know, for parents having the opportunity to spend more time with uh, students, with kids and do all that. So there have been some good opportunities out of this, some good learning opportunities, but I'll tell you what, my family, and I'm sure a lot of other families are really glad to see that we're on the, on the exit path right now and moving back towards something that we think is not just normal, but even better than what we had before. Let me just say this about Steve. Um, I happen to follow Steve on Facebook. And in addition to having a high pressure job with the New Jersey Education Association, which represents how many educators and education support professionals? 200,000 across New Jersey. I'd say it's a pretty high pressure job. Um, mm -hmm virtually all of his posts are about family. 
Yeah. I mean, they're just about well, family. I, I, I have a good one. I got a couple of great kids and it really helps keep all of us grounded. I happen to see a lot of Steve's uh, Facebook post and it tends to follow the same path. I've seen a lot of, a lot of baseball photos, so it's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna see more dancing photos with our daughter uh, who's big nice. into it. Hey, Steve, let's do this. Uh, and Mary jumps in at any point she chooses to. A lot of this is about work-life balance. We're all trying to figure it out. But for I think about this for educators. We've had so many educational leaders, innovators, that we, we have a longstanding relationship with the NJEA. We feature educators who are making a difference, who are innovators, et cetera, et cetera. Educators as leaders, A, B, how have they had to evolve as leaders over the last 18 months? Well, I think our, our members, the educators we represent, probably had the most challenging year of their professional lives. Uh, many of them were doing two full-time jobs. They were in classrooms trying to interact with students in a, what really felt like a foreign environment. You couldn't do small group work. You couldn't do the kind of one-on-one -on -one, uh, instructional work that you're used to doing. And at the same time, sometimes simultaneously, trying to engage with students online and trying to keep uh, students moving forward uh, in a hybrid model. So they've really had to step up, learn new types of technology, learn new teaching techniques, new instructional techniques. Uh, and they've had to do it all in a time when they may have been dealing with the exact same things in their homes and in, with, their, with their own children, their own families. So it's been, a, it's been a challenging year, but a year of tremendous growth as well, I think. Mary, real quick, Steve, is that leadership for you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. If you are working with a group of people and you're working with a group of students, absolutely with a group of people, and you take them from point A to point B, that's leadership. And our members do that every day. I don't think there is a member of NJEA who isn't a leader. There it is. Mary, jump in. Yeah, definitely. So, Steve, I was wondering about all the conflicting messages out there, even as we're taping this. We're taping this right now, yeah. the end of June. This will air in August and September. Get it? We'll be watching it then as well. Conflicting information, masks, no masks. Are, are they going to have masks? How do you handle when you're a leader navigating the conflicting information? Obviously, you know, as we tape this, we don't know if there'll be a new strain of COVID. How do you handle disseminating that information? Well, I think the key word for the last 18 months has been flexibility. We have to be flexible and we also have to continue to listen and learn. You know, our members talk about lifelong learning for students. Uh, they're lifelong learners themselves. And throughout this pandemic, we've had to learn based on the facts, based on new information. What's the best way to instruct children in these circumstances? What's the best way to keep people safe? And that information changes from day to day, not because people were being deceptive or dishonest, but because we learned more. And so I think part of being a leader is being able to acknowledge, listen, the path we were on six months ago, that was the right path then. We've got to choose a different path. We've got to choose a new way forward. And so it's, it's about adaptability. It's about flexibility. It's about listening to experts and being willing to change your views and change your beliefs when you get new information. You know, Steve, we've known each other and worked together for a long time, and, and we do look forward to the NJA annual convention in Atlantic City in person. We don't know for sure, but is there a chance we could be in person in November? Well, as we are speaking right now, that We're hasn't, about flexibility, been, decided. I'm asking a question. Yeah, hasn't been decided for sure, uh, but it isn't, it isn't off the table. And, you know, I think we're all looking forward to getting back to a sense of normalcy, getting back to that interpersonal interaction that we love. We're going to do it safely. We're going to do it 
smartly. We're going to do it at the, you know, with the guidance of the experts. Uh, but we're certainly pushing toward that return to the face-to-face -face interaction that we all like. And it could be a hybrid. You know, I just asked Steve that question about the annual convention, which we absolutely love because we get to see all the teachers interview educational leaders. And by the way, the NJA brings in educational administrators, leaders, innovators from across the nation, groundbreaking stuff. Um, but here's the other thing. We did it last year and we talked to them remotely. And so it's not like we didn't do it. And someone says, well, you're going to be back in the studio, Steve. I don't, just like Steve Baker said, I don't know. But whatever it is, we know we have to find a way. Steve, last question before I let you out. Past 18 months, how have you changed, evolved as a leader? What is the most significant change in you as a leader? I think the most significant change, and it's something that you're always striving for anyway, is just a deeper and deeper level of trust. You have to have trust in the people you're leading. The people you're leading have to develop trust in you. Uh, you're not in the same room all the time. You're not in the same place all the time, but you have to trust each other to get the work done. You have to trust each other to carry the mission forward. And when you focus on that trust, when you focus on building that relationship, even if you're not together, you can continue to do the work. And we've learned a lot about great ways to do it, uh, but it took trust. And I think that's, you know, any leader who lacks trust in either direction is going to really struggle. I think we've built a lot of trust in the last year. Well said. That's Steve Baker, Director of Communications, New Jersey Education Association. 200,000 members strong, our longtime partner in public broadcasting, supporting and frankly honoring our educators in our public schools. Um, I'm Steve. That's Mary. That's Steve. We'll be right back right after this. This edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been brought to you by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Kessler Foundation, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Welcome back to Lessons in Leadership. I'm Steve Adubato with uh, Mary Gamba and our good friend, Tim Hogan. Tim doesn't like to say how long we've been working together, how long we've been friends and known each other. But every year he gets a new title with new responsibilities at Hackensack Meridian Health. Mary, I'm going to give you the honor. You got it. introducing Tim with his title, then I'll take it from there. Go ahead. I want to see this. I would love it. I'm going to look down and use my notes, though, because I have to. So Tim Hogan, Hackensack Meridian Health Executive Vice President for Care Transformation Services and Riverview Medical Center President, Chief Hospital Executive, Hackensack Meridian Health. Come on. Hey, Tim. That was great. Thank you, Tim. It was impressive. It was impressive. <laughs> You've trained me it's well, Steve. Yeah, I don't know about that. Hey, speaking of training, Tim, let's get right into this. Uh, by way of background, disclose a couple of things. Uh, Tim has been a friend and a colleague for more than a few years. He has believed in leadership development, communication coaching. Let's just say before some other folks saw the light. Um, and right now at Hackensack Radiant Health, Tim and his team with the folks at uh, Talent and HR 
lead an initiative called the Hackensack Meridian Health Physician Leadership Development Series, which Mary and I are honored to be a small part of. Tim, you've been driving that from day one. Why is it so important that physicians become physician leaders and get coached and trained to be the best leaders? Why can't they just be really good in the operating room? Well, they can, um, you know, and that's, uh, I guess it's a personal decision that every physician makes. Most physicians are interested in continuing professional development as, as their clinical skills advance, as, as they get older, as their interests start to, um, you know, become more diversified. Uh, they really do have a personal interest in really looking outside of the clinical realm. From our perspective at HMH, uh, when we really became a uh, you know, merged organization between Meridian and Hackensack in 2016, Bob Garrett made it very clear and the board was very clear that in order to be transformational, we needed to involve physicians to a greater degree than we had been in the past in terms of making them into physician administrative leaders and getting them more involved in the strategic decisions that were made for our organization. So that was the mantra that you know, we've used and we've uh, believed in from the beginning in terms of continuing to put our physicians into a position to improve their administrative and leadership skills. Uh, it's a selfish motive on the one hand, because we want those physicians to work with us so that we can make better decisions and be more successful. Yeah, to Tim's point, by the way, it's Bob Garrett, as CEO, Jim Blazer, who has a huge portfolio there on a whole range of strategic initiatives. Mm -hmm. Dan Varga, the chief uh, physician officer and Mark Stouter and others. But, but, but here's the thing, Mary and I, and we do, by the way, we do these leadership seminars for physicians at night. Mary, why, we, we, why is, was this, just think about this. People often say they don't have time for leadership or communication development. We do it from 6.30 to 8.30 at night. Why can't we do it during the day? <laughs> they're doing their day jobs. So because most of these, we are so surprised. I, I said often, you know, in the evening, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, after a long day and then the physicians get on, they're like, oh yeah, I was in the operating room at 5.30 this morning. And then I just feel so down on myself because I'm like, wow, these people are truly saving lives and then still take the time either still at the hospital or at home. And we had somebody the other, a, a couple of weeks ago come in with a scrubs on. He had just done an emergency surgery and he was so committed and apologetic for being there late. Another physician just had a baby and he was on 72 hours after having the baby. Hold so on. It, right, huh? next, hold on. right next to him in the same seminar, who else was in the seminar with the, the physician uh, the who woman, had a baby? Yeah, the woman physician who delivered his baby was in there as well. So it's just truly inspirational watch. And, and Steve, you had started off saying, like, why do they need these leadership skills? And we hear time and time again in these seminars that if they're in the operating room, if they're going from the emergency room, they need to be able to communicate. They need to be able to be clear and concise in stressful times, because if not, there are lives on the line. Yeah. Hey, Tim, you're big on coaching, mentoring, giving feedback. Let's call it, you and I had a late night conversation last night about the need for hard conversations about people and the feedback they need. That's something other than, oh my God, you're terrific. You're great. You're going to have a great career. And actually focusing on what people need to improve upon. Question, why do you think so many are so defensive so often a and B, how does it affect their careers? Yeah, I think, I think that's really an issue with respect to trying to be an effective leader. I think it's having honest, hard conversations. I think that, you know, you and I have talked about it. When you've spent enough time with somebody and you've got to know them and you've watched them interact and uh, either 
individually, personally, or in groups, you really start to see that vulnerability, that soft spot that is probably preventing that person from getting to the next level. And I don't think a lot of people, uh, one, I don't think a lot of people coach other people. I don't think a lot of people mentor other people. There are a lot of people that are in big jobs uh, with important titles and responsibilities that haven't been mentored on how to be more effective or how to be a more effective leader. And I think it's just having the courage to find an effective way to say to that person, there's an issue here that you've got to address. And if you don't correct that, or you don't acknowledge it, or you don't look in the mirror and try to change your behavior, that's going to impact your ability to move up that ladder or uh, experience more professional growth, which you really want, but that's gonna get in the way. And I, I just don't think people have enough honest conversations. Yeah, but stay on this. Mary, how often, and Tim knows this because we talked about it as well, when people push back, they're defensive, they argue, they say, no, you're not right, or they play the game with you, Tim, like, oh, yeah, okay, sure, thank you very much, but they do nothing. How, how far do you go? I'm going to ask Mary and Tim, how far do you go coaching, mentoring, giving feedback, being supportive? By the way, you're only giving feedback because you care about that person, not because you're trying to give them a hard time. At what point do you go, that's it? Mm -hmm. That's all I can do. Mary, go on then, Tim. Yeah, we often say it doesn't matter how you come into the program. It's how you are after our six sessions, after about a 12-month period. But if at the end of that 12-month period, that individual is still resistant to coaching, they think they know it all, that's when sometimes you need to make a very challenging decision to get that person, as we say, off the bus or move them into a different position because the best leaders are open to feedback and are not defensive and never stop learning. Yeah, yeah I, I would agree with that. Great. I don't think, I don't think it, it takes a lot of time after you've really made that assessment and you've spoken to the person. Um, the reaction that you're going to get is going to be very telling as to where you're going to go and continue in your work with them. And remember, there's a, there's a long line of people who really want to get into this kind of programming and who really do take it seriously. And when you have those hard conversations, they really do make the effort to change because they know how important it is for their professional development. So, you know, in my mind, there's not a long period of time after you've had that conversation, you're going to see whether or not, uh, you know, the message has sunk in. You know, Tim, one of the great things about doing lessons in leadership is that we, Mary and I get to talk to all kinds of leaders, different stripes, different positions, and we all learn from them. But this is one of the things I've always wanted to ask you. Um, Mary and I talk behind your back, you should know. And I say, Tim is a detail guy. Tim is a detail guy. There is no detail too small. He follows up and follows through. You have a meeting with Tim. Trust me. There's an email that comes out within minutes as to what exactly needs to be done, by whom, by when. But you also have vision. You also are strategic. How do you balance? And Mary and I have been at this for 21 years debating it. Steve, you're, you're too involved. Why are you micromanaging? I say, Mary, it's strategic micromanaging. I tap in to find out what, no, leave us alone, trust us. Tim, question, I promise. How do you balance being the big picture visionary, right? Because you are, been a lot of growth around you, but also being a, someone who doesn't let the details go by. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I tend to think that, um, you know, I'm not overwhelmingly strategic. I'm I'm uh, good enough to be good at a bunch of things, um, but I wouldn't call myself an expert in anything. My natural bent is really operations. I really like to um, be in situations where I can achieve results. And associated with that is really being a good project manager 
whether you're managing people, whether you're managing initiatives, making sure that you know the train leaves the station on time. That interests me personally. Uh, professionally, it interests me at home. My wife would tell me I'm a complete uh, crazy man with respect to the. the my wife. Kudos. I'm sorry, Tim. My wife told me this morning. Are there, is there anything going on around here that you don't have to be involved in? Right, right. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, that's my life, not yours. Right, exactly. So, uh, you know, that that just rubs off. I think as you as you gain more experience, as you take on new responsibilities, you're either going to take your foot off that throttle and appreciate the fact that you have people around you who can do the detail work and you become a constructive nudge. You know, you just make sure you're checking. Oh, oh, hold you. on, a what? Constructive <laughs> nudge. You know, I'm nudging you, you know. I will, I will basically get on there and talk to them a little bit, nudge a little bit, make sure they're on the right track. And, you know, in, in the case of being around for a long time, I mean, I'm, I've been around 37 years in this business. Um, you do benefit from the experience of having gone through things a number of times that you can recall, advice that you can pass on, perspective that you get based upon, um, you know, success and failure. So uh, that is something that, that really does come into play. And you make no apologies about sometimes getting into the weeds. No, I, you know, you've got to be able to get in the weeds when you have to. You have to know when to get into the weeds. And once you're in the weeds, you have to be very pointed and very direct in terms of understanding what the issues are and helping those leaders navigate through there constructively. Yeah, Mary Jo, go. Mary Jo. Uh, Mary, Mary Jo, I'm like, who is that? <laughs> it's a girl I dated in college. I had her on. No, it's not really. Not. Wow. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, it's not. Go edit that out. Elvin, edit that out. There's no yeah, need there. No. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that that's TMI. <laughs> so, uh, Tim, talk a little bit more. You talk about um, being able to delegate. So many of the physicians that we talk about, one of the biggest challenges that they face is that inability to, to delegate. They have that mindset of, and I have it as well, nobody can do it better than me. And how have you trained that? How have you coached people around you and even yourself how to let go of certain things? Because I have a hard time doing that. Yeah, delegation is, is difficult. I mean, you want things done, you want it done right, you want it done your way. Um, I, I think that delegation, in a sense, either becomes easier as you gain more responsibility because it's just a practical part of having a lot of things to do. Um, the, other, the other point would be hire very talented people around you. The people that you have around you are gonna make you successful or they're gonna break you. Um, what I find with people who don't delegate effectively is they get caught up in their own whirlpool and they get sucked down into it. And ultimately the people that can't effectively delegate never really rise to that pinnacle professionally that they could have because they're always getting sucked into the weeds by their own doing. Mm. Hey, last one before I let you go. I've been asking people a lot this lately, or this question a lot. How, if in any substantive way, in any substantive way, how do you feel you have changed or evolved in the last 18 months or so since COVID? You know, COVID was an incredibly harrowing journey for everybody. And everybody, I think, went through that in a different way. From, from my experience, personally, I, I certainly know different than anyone else uh, in terms of the precautions that were taken, uh, you know, sticking with family, developing your own pods of safety with, with interactions with others and what have you. From a professional standpoint, it was, you know, twofold for me. When COVID, we call COVID 1.0 in March of 2020, I was purely in a corporate role. So the action was really at the hospitals. The hospitals were really 
dealing with all of the clinically associated issues of handling the COVID pandemic. And what I had to say to the teams were, how do we find a way to be meaningfully involved in this process? How do we find a way to assist? How do we find a way to help? And what we found was that there were large components of people or arms of the organization that just went and went over in the corner because they weren't clinically related. Our team went into the fray, into the fire and found ways to work, developing plans for uh, surge supplies, uh, developing plans to go in and carry supplies um, to others, substituting for team members on food lines, this, that, and the other. Myself, I went in and helped prone patients uh, with teams of six. You mean turn them over, Tim? Yeah, I, I had said to myself, I really wanna do something meaningful. And wow. they were having an issue with respect to finding enough people to help prone patients, finding that was better if you were turning patients every 18 to 24 hours every 12 hours or so onto their stomach because it helped with the, the respiratory process. So I got involved in that, which once I got involved in it and I was walking into a COVID environment, um, I almost had to change my depends because I thought, what have you gotten yourself into? <laughs> um, but it really was incredible. I, I, I really appreciate and I understand firsthand when they say heroes work here because there were young kids, nurses, technicians, physicians, that are in this room with a patient that is on a ventilator. And we don't know what COVID is. We don't know how to handle it. We don't know how to fight it. And yet they're in there and they are, they are the respiratory therapist couldn't have been more than 23, 24 years old. And she's in this patient's mouth, changing the gauze, changing the respiratory, the ventilator. The patient is spitting up and coughing. And it, it was just a unbelievable experience of heroism. And, and I was just proud to be a part of it. Yeah. Wow. And by the way, Tim, we've talked so much in the last year and a half, but I've never heard you go into that level of detail. Um, and thank you, not just you, but everyone at HMH on the front lines, on the support lines and doing everything you've done, including for my sister, you well know, that was treated at Bayshore, um, one of the hospitals, and, and with exceptional care. Hey, Alvin, do me a favor. Tell me, we talked to Tim way beyond. I know what we're supposed to. I'll blame myself for that. Tim, I'm working on time management. <laughs> 30 years doing this. Yeah, I, really? I think at time, I suck at time management. Alvin, how much time do we have left? Can I get a signal? Okay. 16 minutes in. I don't know what that means. I don't know. What <laughs> we have left. a minute and a half left, Steve. Okay. Uh, so listen, Tim, I'm going to let you go. Mary will and I will talk about you behind your back, say all good things. Hey, Tim, thank you. Love doing the Physician Leadership Academy. It's been incredibly rewarding. We hope our physician leaders are learning and growing from it. And you and the team and Bob and Jim and, and Mark um, and Dan Varga have given that, that opportunity to us. Thank you, Tim. Well, I, can't, I can't thank you guys enough. You've been terrific to work with and you really are impacting a lot of people in terms of making them better at what they do. So thank you both. And by the way, it takes a village. I got to thank uh, Megan and, of course, Patrice Ventura making it happen as well. Thank Absolutely. you, Tim. Mary and I get a few seconds on the back end. Take care, Tim. Thank you. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine.
Hey, that was Tim Hogan and uh, really powerful stuff. And right before him, we had our good friend Steve Baker from the NJA. Mary, just give me one takeaway from Hogan. He just left me feeling inspired. And I, what I'm hoping we don't get away from 18 months, two years after the pandemic is just remembering the heroes, the people on the front line who really, truly risked their lives in a very uncertain time. It's all about leadership. And also what Steve Baker was talking about, educational innovators, leaders making a difference on the front lines. I mean, they're heroes in their own way. Educators, frontline healthcare professionals, cannot thank them enough. And sometimes people go, oh, leaders, you mean a CEO, the president, the head of a sports team? No, leaders come in all stripes. And by the way, our good friend, Larry Downs, will be joining us again. His great quote is, everyone's a leader. Everyone's, I believe it. Yeah. And I know Mary Gamba is. Hey, Mary, thank you for driving the show today. Um, compelling content every week. You can catch us on News 12 Plus, plus a variety of other platforms. Elvin Bajar, director, talk about a leader, just said, hey, Steve, just say goodbye. We're done. Goodbye. We're done. We'll see you next week. This edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been brought to you by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. The New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Kessler Foundation, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine.